Thanks, Pastor Chase. Well, hey, kids, don't get, don't leave. I need the kids, normal kids' church, to come up here because it's kind of a special day today. So, if you normally go to kids' church, you go that way. I want you to come up, and then uh, now you see you got y'all. You're not in trouble. Don't worry. Somebody's like, am I in trouble? No, you're not in trouble. This is a good thing. You man, come on up here quick. All right, and we're gonna trick the adults. Okay, we're gonna trick them. Y'all cool? Y'all cool with that? All right. Here's what I need the adults to do. Hey, sweetheart. Here's my little niece right here. And my other niece, hi, princess, how are you? She doesn't like me. Um, I'm just kidding. No, she's awesome. Um, Okay, so here's what I need you to do. Adults, if you would just stand up for a moment with me. All right, all adults stand up. All right. Okay, now listen to me carefully. If you have not served in the military and you have not been in law enforcement, would you have a seat, please? All right. Today is flag day, and these men and women have fought and protected our flag, and we need to give them a hand and say thank you. Okay? All right. The kids. Okay, listen, listen to me, kids. All right. The flag might be legal to burn, but it's never right to burn it. Okay? And you might see that. It's never right. So you need to understand that as long as we are one nation under God, we'll give a pledge to the flag. This morning when I was driving, I saw a flag. I have it on my house, but I just saluted it because the flag means something. Amen? And we are a country that meets, like we help other countries more than any other country, and I think that's why God's blessed us. So happy flag day. Now you can run out, give somebody a high five on the way out that doesn't have COVID, and you'll be fine. (laughs) All right. Thanks for coming, and uh, I will unapologetically always stand for our flag as long as we are one nation under God, church. Amen? We'll not back down from that. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of flags that people are proud of, but I couldn't be more proud of the country that our flag represents because we are the most generous, generous nation on this earth. I mean, we truly are a nation under God. We may not be a nation that is really serving God as a whole, but we are a nation that will go and help people. And so men and women, the law enforcement, military, thank you again for defending that flag um, that I will always salute and that I'll always, always honor as long as it's one nation under God. Amen? So now that we got that clear as to where I stand, um, and you're all in Idaho, you all stand the same way. But uh, personally, opinion, I don't think it should be legal to burn a flag. Amen? If, you, if it's not legal to burn a dollar bill or bash in a mailbox which I may or may not have ever done. Um, you, uh, I don't think it should be legal, but that's just me. So when they elect me king, I'm going to make it illegal to burn the American flag. But let's get on with the lesson. Um, uh, just because of, again, what it represents. I'm proud to be an American. I really am. Amen. The news would try to make you think that it's a bad thing, but it's not. Amen. Most of Americans are proud to be an Americans. And I'm proud to be a Christian uh, because I believe that it's going to get harder and harder to be a Christian. In the coming months and years, I think we're going to see a slow fade to where Christianity is not going to be tolerated. Um, and so we need to be ready for that. So today's message, um, if you don't mind, I just want to do some teaching. Um, it could be a little bit heavy. First service was a little heavy because we're talking about eternity. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about what happens the moment that you die. Um, and it can be a little bit heavy. Um, I wasn't very funny for a service, because when you talk about eternal things, it's kind of hard to be funny. But what I want to do is teach a lesson to really show us how, how much Jesus really did for us. Because there's times that I think that we don't really, we won't appreciate what he did until the moment we pass. And we're like, whoa, this, that's what he saved me from. God saved me from hell. I deserved hell, but he gave me heaven. And that's a great thing. So, um, 
We're using an airport terminal as our, my title or the series is called Terminal, uh, because we think, hey, we're terminal, right? We're going to die. But that's not really the thing. This body dies. And how many of y'all like me are glad that you get a new one? I mean, you get a new body. And it's a great one that doesn't have to need ibuprofen when you get up in the morning. Matter of fact, in heaven, the Bible says there is no day or night. Well, somehow we just live. And so we're going to just talk about some things about the afterlife today. So it's going to be a good uh, teaching lesson, um, something that we just need to know. So Paul, um, the title of it, if you do a title thing, it's called Two Destinations. Two Destinations. So Paul's main motive is to prepare people for eternity. That's what the Apostle Paul, his whole goal is to prepare people for eternity. God's word teaches us how to live on this earth uh, because our behavior really does matter. Okay, I want to, matter of fact, I thought that would be a good movement, right? Behavior matters. doesn't matter what color, race, or where you're from, but our behavior is really what matters. Um, and we need to be the, have the behavior of Christ. We need to love. Um, and, and, and I actually was thinking about, and I, I say things online, it's okay, I didn't say it first service, uh, but I, I thought about, there are, there's called, um, oh man, I forgot the name of it, I'm getting old, it's still April, right? Um, uh, what do they call it uh, when, you, do they, when you do something bad and they teach you how to not be bad anymore? Not prison, but it's for like good people, it's uh, not reconditioning, what's it called? Not rehabilitation, there's a different word for it. I thought about it all morning long, and now I, maybe I'm not supposed to say it in church. Um, how to be to- more tolerant. Like, there's a phrase for it. Like, when you're... Oh, y'all forgot, too? Don't be blaming me. Um, I, didn't, I didn't write it down. Uh, sensitivity training. That's what it was. Sensitivity training. I'm not going to ask who's had to go to sensitivity training, but if, you, if you're kind of a knucklehead or you say something that hurts people's feelings, you have to go to sensitivity training. And I thought we should do this. I thought in the Bible, who would, who would qualify for sensitivity training? Jesus, right? The Apostle Paul, uh, John the Baptist. I'm like, all the main characters of the Bible would qualify for sensitivity training because there was times they had to call people on their stuff and it wasn't popular. Right? They had to speak the truth. And, and so I, 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 don't, I, try, I try not to look at Facebook too much, but I was watching a dialogue between two people of a guy just speaking his mind, and he was right. And the other guy's like, you just need to love people. And I said, what does love really mean? Does love mean just you're passive and you don't ever call anybody? No, love actually has to be confrontational at times. Because okay? we have this definition of love is just everybody just needs to feel good. But that's not what love is. Okay? Love sometimes is telling people to knock it off. Because their behavior is going to get them in a bad way. Um, And so what God is going to show us today through his word, because Jesus is the word, that heaven and hell are both real places. And so that's what I want to leave you with um, by the end of today, that you have a better understanding of what the afterlife is life. So Paul's main motive is to prepare people for eternity. Um, I believe that's my heart as a pastor is to prepare us for eternity. I mean, eternity is something that it's uncomfortable to talk about. Yeah, and, and I said in first service that it, it's, it's as uncomfortable to talk about as the birds and the bees because we can't say sex in church. So we have these uncomfortable talks that happen, but people kind of like, kind of want to go around the board. And I want to just plow right through the thing and say, here's what the Bible says about eternity. So as Christians, we have to talk about death because we will all face it or we'll face the rapture, whatever comes first. But for me, it's comforting to know that the pain we feel on this earth is the only hell that we'll ever experience. Because the moment, as a Christian, the moment you leave this body is the moment where your pain and sorrows go completely away. Okay, can you imagine that? There's no bad days. You see the little Hawaii stickers, no bad days. Um, That's not true in Hawaii. There's a lot of good days. But in heaven, there is no bad days. 
In heaven, there is no pain, no crying, uh, as we'll get to some verses to prove that a little bit later. So on the flip side, for the non-believer, earth is the only heaven they'll ever experience. Okay? Death is just a doorway to eternity, and we need to be prepared for this. So this is why we don't need to be freaked out by what's going on in this world. Um, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, because I actually forgot to put it on a slide. Um, that's where we're headed. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 2 through 4, we'll start. But here's what we need to do. We need to watch with great anticipation that the end times may just be developing right before our very eyes. Amen. And this isn't designed to scare you unless you're not right with Jesus. Then I hope it scares the blank out of you. I really do. Okay. Because there's a point where we have to realize that hell is a real place. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 through 4 says this. Paul talking about himself. He says... I know a man. You've heard somebody, I know a guy. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I know a guy. I know a guy. Right? What it usually means, I know a guy that could hook you up, right? I know a guy. Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. And whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. I don't even know what the third heaven is. Um, some people say that there's earth and the atmosphere and then the heavens. Who knows? Whatever, there's, there was some level Heaven. He was caught up to the third level of heaven. I look at heaven as being like maybe a three-story house that you get to go to whatever story you want to go to. That's just my opinion. But that doesn't matter. Now, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know this man, me, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know. But God knows, was caught up to paradise. And he heard inexpressible things that man is not permitted to tell. You ever ran into somebody... Who knows something you don't and is good? Like you see them and they got this big old grin on their face. And you're like, what? You know, what, what? I know something you don't know. We're like, we always want to know what it is. That's what Paul's doing here. Now, scholars believe that when he was stoned, uh, they, they thought he killed, they killed him and drug him out of the city. So he was stoned. They drug him out of the city that that was the time that he actually died, went, got to experience paradise for a little bit. But he said, I heard inexpressible things. Man, that... They're not even, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you what I heard. I can't tell you what I saw. I can't tell you what I experienced, but it's good. And I think that's why Paul was so eager to go home. Paul had that advantage of knowing what the taste of heaven was like. And so he's writing from that perspective. But he says, I, I know a guy who, who saw things, who heard things that I can't even explain what it is. So he's writing from this perspective, again, of someone who knows something that you don't. So what happens... At the moment that this body dies, um, here's how I, I look at it. The, the spirit, okay, the thing that lives in us is like helium trapped in the balloon. So if our, if our body is the balloon, the helium is what's inside of us. And when a balloon pops, does the helium just disappear? What's it do? The helium is still there. Okay, it dissipates, it goes up. And so that's how I look at it. Um, and here's why I think that. I've met two people that I personally talked to who had out-of-body experiences when they died. I've just shared one with you, I think, last week with my grandma um, that she, she had a massive stroke and she said, I saw myself above my trailer house and I saw the neighbor walking over. I saw myself laying on the bed and she went into the house and, and the lady called 911 and then, you know, God let her go back. Um, and so she just said, oh, I've been to heaven. It's like, no big deal. That's, that's my grandma. No big deal. I, I've been there. It's cool. I told you, you went to heaven. Yeah, grandma, you told me. Um, and now she's there with my grandpa, and, and, I'll, and I'll show you how you know people, okay, through the story that Jesus tells that we actually know people in heaven. The second was um, a lady who was in the hospital with me when I had a back surgery, and she found out I was a pastor, and she was probably in her late 20s, and, and she says, Stan, she goes, can I talk to you about something? I was like, yeah, sure. She goes, I, I think I'm going crazy. 
It's all right. And she like wanted me like, can we, can, can nobody be around when I tell you this? Cause I think I'm going nuts. And I was like, sure. She had head brain surgery. And so she said, I, on, I, uh, she's like, I, when, when I was on the table, all of a sudden I was above the table and I was looking down and the doctors were working on me and then they grabbed the paddles <laughs> and they're like shocking my body. And she's like, and I'm sitting there watching it. And then all of a sudden she was back in her body. She's like, am I going crazy? I said, no, you just died. You had you're out of your, your spirit left your body and you watched it. And, and she's like, I'm not going crazy. No, because she was a Christian. And, she, and I said, no, that, that's just what happened. Your spirit leaves the body. And you're looking down and going, oh, that's how it happens. I really believe that uh, because of the two people that have had these out-of-body experiences. So 2 Corinthians 5.8 says this, and this is to the believer, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We look at the thief on the cross, okay? The one that accepted Jesus. When he died, what did Jesus say? When you die, you will be with me in paradise, like today. Today you will be with me in paradise. So to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. Now the other thief, he went somewhere else because there's no recording of him ever accepting Christ, but he rejected Christ. So it's different for the believer and the unbeliever. Now, Luke chapter 16 is where our story takes place that Jesus tells. And we know it's not a parable because Jesus actually uses a name. Um, in the parables, Jesus takes you, he'll say a man or two guys or whatever. But he actually names somebody. That's how we know this really happened. So it's called the rich man and Lazarus. Um, I don't know that I've ever taught before other than today uh, kind of in depth on this story. And it's a very, very fascinating story if you've never read it. It says there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came, and church, it always does. It always comes. When the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, the rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes back to them, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And we know that Jesus rose from the dead and people have been rejecting him still. Okay, So let's go back and talk about some things that happened um, in this true story. So verses, uh, well, I'm going to start out with this. If you don't believe in hell, you don't believe the Bible is the word of God. I want to tell you, this is the word of God. It has not changed. Okay? It's not like the nightly news that just tells you what you want to hear or get your, your hair all. Okay? This is absolutely the truth. There is no spin in the word of God. The word of God does not change. So we can absolutely trust it. So you either believe that God's word is 100% right or you don't believe it. 
it's either 100% right or you don't believe it because you can't just believe parts of it. You can't just say, well, I think it doesn't matter what you think. I've learned it doesn't matter, Chris. It don't matter what I think. What matters is what's right because I can think some stupid stuff. Okay, what matters is what's right. So if we don't believe in hell, we don't believe that the Bible is the word of God because the main purpose of the Bible is to keep you from going there. Right? Jesus died for what? And I've talked, had some good conversations with some people who, in certain religions that don't believe in hell. And I said, well, Jesus is the Savior, right? Yeah, well, Savior of what? Well, Savior of our sins. Well, but where does sin lead? Sin, sin has to lead somewhere for you to be saved from it, okay? There's a heaven and there's a hell, and it's a very dangerous thing to tell people there's no hell because they will begin to live like it. Right? We, we go nuts when we find out there's not any punishment, okay? So what happened? Verse 22 through 24, again, this is just a teaching, okay? What to do? So angels carried Lazarus to Abraham's side. Now, in the Old Testament, okay, there was a holding place for believers, okay? And I don't know, again, how this all looks, but what I do know that it's like a holding, for the bad side, Hades is like a holding tank for eternal prison. So if you liken it to the jail, okay, jail isn't, as bad as prison, jail isn't as final as prison, but for the non-believer, they go to like a jail called Hades, and, and then eventually Hades is thrown into the lake of fire. Well, heaven, uh, it would be some sort of paradise. I don't know what that looks like, but what I do know is that it's good. Okay, Paul went there, the, the thief went there, Jesus went there, today you will be with him in paradise. So there's a, a, a heavenly holding place until the final judgment, and then there's a hellish holding place for non-believers. Um, so we, we know that because of what happened here, that the rich man was down and Lazarus and Abraham were up. And so the rich man looks up and he sees Lazarus, okay? And he, and he names him. He sees Abraham and he names him. Now, he would not have known Abraham, okay? He wouldn't have looked up at Abraham's Facebook profile, you know, hundreds of years prior. And went, okay, that's what he looks like. So somehow the rich man knows who Abraham is. So in heaven, you're going to know stuff. Heaven, you're going to recognize people. In heaven, you're going to see those who have gone before you, and it's going to be like, whoa, you're here. You, you look different. You look good. You look better. You're fit. I mean, you're in shape, man. Down on earth, you're, you let it go, especially doing that COVID thing. You, there's some things that happen, but bro, you're looking good. Sister, you're looking good. Okay, we get these perfect bodies. Um, again, I don't know what, else, what it all looks like, but I do know that we get new bodies. So he recognized who Abraham was, but it says he looked up, and he was in hell where he was in torment, he saw Lazarus by his side, and he called out to him, have pity on me, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger. I mean, we're talking, I don't know whose water this is. I hope you don't have COVID because I'm sticking my finger in there. Um, don't shake my hand after church if I don't sanitize. All right, just dip your finger. Like, I don't know if you can see that. He didn't ask for a drink. He just said, would you send Lazarus to dip his finger in water just to touch my tongue? I did not touch my tongue because I don't know whose this is. It's got to be holy water though, right? Because mine's down there. Don't matter. All right? But if I get thirsty enough, I'm taking a drink out of that. All right? Just touch my tongue. I mean, that is an agony. If you just want a, a dip of finger water on your tongue instead of a whole drink. We got to understand, guys, that the, his senses were there. He understood pain. He understood thirst. It's not like you die and you just, nothing exists anymore, but there's actually sensations here. And I think they're probably increased, but he is in agony and his personality is still kind of the same. When he's out, he's given orders. <laughs> Father Abraham, will you send Lazarus to serve me? 
So even personality is the same because he's this rich man who says he basically lived for himself. And, and now he's given orders to the beggar to come and serve me again. Isn't that weird? Like there's personalities in heaven. That means I get to be sarcastic and I will never get in trouble. I'll be sarcastic. My wife would be like, and Jesus would be like, hey, he's fine. He's covered. That's his personality. I gave it to him. Why are you picking on him? Okay. I gave him the personality that he has, the sarcasm. Come on, Christina. Just leave him alone. Let him be sarcastic. I don't know how it's going to work, but I do know that I'm going to know my wife in heaven. She won't be my wife in heaven, but she'll probably be my best friend because she is on this earth, and I love her with all my heart. But we're going to know each other. We're going to know each other. You're going to know the love of it. Man, that's a really, really cool thing to, to understand that, that he looked up, saw somebody he didn't know, but understood who he was. And that was Father Abraham. So your senses work in heaven and hell. Again, probably increased. The rich man is burning, but he's not dying. He's thirsty, but there's no water. And again, he's giving orders to Abraham to have Lazarus serve him water. There's him in agony in this fire. See, part of the pain of hell is the reality of heaven. And that you could have gone there if you would have just served God. See, the rich man didn't go to hell because he didn't serve, or because he was rich. He went because he wasn't serving God. Okay, it was a choice thing. It was a choice thing. It was two destinations, and you get to choose where your destination is. It's not just given to you. You have to choose Jesus to go to heaven. You have to because default is hell. It's a default setting in us. We have to choose to serve God. Um, so once your physical body okay, is dead, the decision is final. There is no second chance. How do I know that? Because Abraham said, if, if somebody even wanted to go from here to there, they can't. And if somebody from where you're at in hell wanted to come here, they can't. The decision is final. He didn't say, you know, because there's some religions that teach that you can be baptized for the dead to bring them. And that, that, that's not biblical. The Bible does not say that. It doesn't say that you can do anything to bring somebody in hell into heaven by your actions. Guys, once we make our decision, once our breath is, fine, is, is over, it's done. Your decision is made. And so my challenge today is be right with Jesus. Be right with Jesus. Don't say, oh, I got another day or I'll do it tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow is procrastination. Tomorrow, one day is not going to come for you. And we need to be aware of that. It's okay, I'm going to serve God today with all my heart. And the Hades, as bad as this is, isn't the final destination. It's just a bad layover. You ever had a bad layover? I had a bad layover one time. It was actually, San Francisco was fogged in. We were trying to fly to Hawaii. And we had to divert to Reno. And we bought the cheap seats, like in the very back by the toilet. So we sat on the tarmac for an hour. Some of you have worse stories than this. And we sat there for an hour, waiting for the fog to live. But we were by the bathroom. And there wasn't much for ventilation, and people kept using the bathroom. And we're just like, oh, cheap, don't get the cheap seats. All right, bad. You get close to the bathroom is okay, but next to it is bad when you're, when you're on the lift. Well, finally, we ended up getting back into San Francisco and going. But, but some of us, if you fly very much, you've had a bad layover. Hades is just a bad layover. Okay, it gets worse. You ever heard the commercials? But wait, there's more. Okay, that's what this is. It's important to know. That what you've been saved from, it will help you appreciate what Jesus did for you. And Teresa, thank you for your patience. She's doing the overheads and I'm everywhere. She's like, where are you at? But she knows what she's doing. Right. It's important to know that what you've been saved from, all right, it will help you appreciate what Jesus did for you. Verse 25, what did Abraham tell him? He said, son, remember, okay? So there's memory in, in heaven and hell. Remember that in your lifetime, you received the good things. Remember, so, so part of hell is knowing what you could have had. Part of hell isn't just the burning, it's knowing I could have had heaven, but I rejected Christ. 
I chose to not believe in him. I chose to live my own way. I chose to do the other things or the things that I wanted to do rather than what was right. So I believe people in hell will spend eternity wishing they were back on earth. And believers will be glad that we don't have to come back. Amen? You're in agony. Why agony? Because of a choice. You chose to not serve God on earth but yourself. In verse 26, there's a chasm, okay? A giant separation. And sin will always separate. Sin will always separate. Pastor Chip Ingram, I believe from Calvary Chapel in Albuquerque, he said, choose to sin, choose to suffer. One of his messages, years I heard that, and I thought, man, that's a great statement. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. You can't cross over? Never. Never. Because you can't. Once your decision is final, it's final. In verse 28, uh, he gives more orders. Well, then send Lazarus. He's telling Abraham what to do. It's like this rich guy. He just thinks he's still all that, even in hell. He's like, well, send Lazarus back to warn my family. Somehow, this rich man knew he had five living brothers. And he knew that they weren't serving God either. Hey, isn't this painting an amazing picture? Again, Jesus is not a parable. It's a story. This really happened. And Jesus is saying, in hell, where this guy's in torment... He still knows he has five brothers, and he still knows that none of them are serving God. And he still knows that there's a chance for them to, if Lazarus would just go back and go, boo, I'm Lazarus. Remember, I used to be at the gate. Well, my brother, your brother told me to tell you. All right? And Abraham's like, no, I'm not doing that. Again, Jesus comes back from the dead, and they wouldn't believe him either when he came back. So there we have it. A glimpse of the afterlife. Uh, we have to hear this message to keep our priorities in the right place and our hopes up. Now, we're going to switch gears. We're going to go to the book of Revelation. Um, and we're going to talk for a few moments about um, eternity and heaven and hell and what it's like. Because we need to know what the Bible says about it. Um, this is not an in-depth study of the book of Revelation, just so you know. If you like, you have a crock pot going, you've got lunch plans. Oh, wait, you don't have lunch plans. They don't let you in yet, except for some of them. Um, but in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to go eat again together. All right. So this isn't an in-depth study. It's just some facts that hell is hot and eternal. So Revelation uh, chapter 19, 20 and 21, we're going to talk about. So Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. I'm just going to give you some phrases. Um, again, it's not a comprehensive study. It's just some phrases. It says... The latter part of verse 20, then the two of them, talking about the false prophet and the beast, the two of them were thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. There it is, fiery lake of burning sulfur. Chapter 20, verse 10, says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Forever and ever. How long is eternity? I had a youth leader tell a story to my youth group a long time ago. And he said that here, here's a second in eternity. You get a dove. You tie a ribbon to the dove's foot. The dove flies back over Mount Everest. And when Mount Everest is completely flat, that's one second in eternity. Paints a pretty good picture, huh? That eternity is forever. And so there is a lake of fire. There will be torment day and night, forever and ever. No reprieve, okay, no water, nothing. Your senses are all on fire, and it never ends. Thanks for coming to Change Life Church. Have a great day. Go eat some lunch, all right? <laughs> well, you leave us on that. We need to understand what Jesus saved us from, church. We need to understand why the cross is so important. Not just, oh, Jesus died for my sins, everything's great, I'm going to live my life. It's, it's Jesus died to keep us from this place. 
that the hell and, and the lake of fire was intentionally made for the devil and his angels, but people chose to choose to go there by rejecting Christ. All right, 21 verse 8, it says this. As soon as I could find it, because they didn't wear my glasses. There it is. Okay, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now, these are people who didn't repent of these sins. Just so you know, you're like, I did one of those. Uh, okay, if you're a Christian, you can commit those sins and not go to hell. You need to understand, you, you got to repent. Now, the Bible says you can't live that way. Like if you choose a lifestyle, it's different than making a mistake, all right? So let's be clear on that. But people that live this way and they just rejected God, they will also be burning in the lake of of burning sulfur forever. It's the second death. Like I said, jail is Hades. Prison is the lake of fire. And that's eternal. Okay, we having fun so far? (laughs) All right. The Bible, again, is either God's word or it's not. It's true. So uh, in chapter 20... Is the final judgment, uh, verse 11 through 14. And again, I encourage you to go back and read all this in, in the whole context of things. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Notice that it doesn't say anything about if you were not found to have done enough good works. Okay, there's a book of works, there's a book of works, and you can do all the good things that you know to do, but if your name is not in the book of life, the good works don't matter. And you can have done a whole life of really bad things, and if your name is in the book of life, like the thief on the cross at the last minute or minutes of his life, he accepted Jesus, his name got put in the book of life. Isn't that cool? Is it fair? No, but sometimes I don't like fair. It's not fair because fair isn't Jesus dying for my sins. Fair is me dying for my own sins. But here's, that's the cool thing is now if you're a Christian and you have things in the book of works, you get rewarded for that. I mean, you get rewards in heaven. The Bible says you'll be rewarded according to your good works. Um, So we are saved not by works, but we are saved to do good works. Part of the way people know that we're Christians is by our behavior. And like I said, behavior matters. It really does. How we behave really matters in the eyes of God. So it's important today that your name is found, in the written, is found written in the book of life. How do you get your name written in the book of life? Well, you have to apply, and then three days later, they'll... No, how do you do it? You simply repent of your sins and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Okay, which at the end of this message, you'll, you'll have an opportunity to. And if, if you're not saved right now, maybe you should just ask him now, because we don't know what the next couple minutes is going to bring. Amen? Get your, right, get your heart right with Jesus and believe in what he did for us. So now that you're all depressed, let's talk about heaven. Um, all right, this is where, as a Christian, you get to spend eternity. My parents are here today. I told a story. I said if my parents were, were here today, I wasn't telling the story uh, a second time. But I think my parents do know the story. Back when I was in high school, they bought a car. It was called a Lincoln Sport Coupe, and it was fast. It was had a 5.0, like a Mustang engine. It had headers on it, dual exhaust. It sounded good, and it was good. And so it was always fun when mom said, hey, I need some milk. I'll go. 
Can I take the car? Sure. Um, and so I was in town, in a little town of 400 people. You know everybody. But we had like a straight, kind of a straight road right in the middle through town, which wasn't very big, but it had this big bump in it, like a, a rise. And then you could hit it. You could almost get airborne. <laughs> you see where we're going with this? Um, and... Uh, and so, anyway, so I went to store, and I'm coming out of the, the bottom store, the lower store, and I, I just punched it, and, and it hit this bump, and I go flying. Well, just like mid-air, I see the cop car um, part, and he's talking to my cousin, thinking, small town. And, and I'm not going super fast, but I'm going fast enough. And so I'm like, and I, and I go up over the bridge, and pretty soon he pulls out behind me, and I'm like, shoot. And so, uh, you know, he pulls me over, and he's like, hey, Stan, what's up? He says, like, your dad would kick your blank all over these mountains if he found out you got a ticket in his new car. I'm like, you're right. He goes, so slow down. Yes, sir. Okay, and we're like first name basis. And uh, you know how it felt good to, to deserve a ticket? But Dad, did you know that story before? No? He said, no. <laughs> Confession time. All right. <laughs> the will is about to change. Um, no, you know, and uh, I don't think I ever told you that, but, but Mike took the Corvette. So uh, my, my older brother, he took the, he had, dad had a 65 Corvette that my brother would race occasionally without my parents knowing. Uh, but I can say that now because I just told on myself. So I'm, it's confession day. Um, so anyways, um, but, but I, I know what it's like to be let off when I should have got a ticket because I broke the law. I mean, I was, like I said, I wasn't going 100 miles an hour, but I was going fast enough through a little town that, that I broke the law. And I, my actions caused a police officer to have to do his job, okay? And that was to pull me over and to give me a warning, and sometimes you get a ticket. Um, but he gave me a warning. So I know what it's like to deserve a ticket to be given grace. It feels good, and, and that's what God did with me is I broke his law. He stopped me, okay? When death was arrested, we, we stopped. And God says, okay, you have a choice here. You're going to repent, you know, or, or, or I'm going to have to punish you. And when we repent, we get off for free. Okay, it costs Jesus everything, but it doesn't cost us anything. And that's a good thing. So chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, we're going to read a little bit about heaven. Now, I'm not an expert on exactly what heaven is going to look like. Okay, I do know there's a new heaven and a new earth, a new city, uh, but it describes some things. And so, again, this is not an in-depth study of what heaven is going to look like, but there's a few things that give us a good idea. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. So for those of you who love deep sea fishing, <laughs> sorry, uh, there is a river with probably big trout. I don't know if there's fishing in heaven or not, but I hope so. Okay, why not? You know? uh, I know there's not in hell. So let's take our chances that it could be in heaven. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, the measurements of the new city in Jerusalem are about the size of the moon. So if you, if you picture the moon, that's about, because it tells you how big it is um, in another part of Revelation. It's about the size of the moon. So it's, it's huge. Lots of room for people. And uh, it came down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So God wants to spend that time with us. Isn't that cool eternity with him where he's always smiling? He's always the father that says, man, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You serve me. He doesn't ever point out the bad things that we did. God, God is a father that is proud of us for doing our best um, to serve him. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. That's what a loving father does. There will be no more, get this, there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, 
no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. What, what are you going through today? Do you qualify for any of those? Maybe some mourning, crying, pain. What is it that you're facing that you just don't like? I will tell you, there is going to be none of that in heaven ever again. You will never experience a bad moment in heaven. Isn't that weird? I mean, to, to think, you think about the best moment of your life and heaven is 10 times that, probably more, and it never stops. Like the best feeling you've ever had, it never stops. I mean, you're always bouncing around, like me in Winco yesterday, man. I was in Winco and I was in a good, was it yesterday? I, I don't, it, it was Friday. Um, it doesn't matter really what day it is, other than if you saw me Friday and I said yesterday, you're like, he's a liar, I don't believe anything he says. Uh, and, and so I was in there Friday and, and I was in this good mood, man. I'm get buying some bad food for your hunting trip. It's like, you know, everything. My wife looks in the bag, she goes, you got a lot of carbs. I'm like, do I look like I'm concerned about carbs? Um, you know, it was good stuff because me and Travis were going home. So we got cookies and milk and crackers and cheese and hunting food, right? Things that bears like so you can eat and maybe bring some in at the same time. Um, and I'm like, I don't care about carbs, okay? Unless they're carburetors, then I like carburetors. But um, either way, I have to remember why I was going to the store. All right, so I'm in Winco, and, and there used to be a day, I was telling Travis on the way up, I said, you know, it used to be backwards, that the person with the mask in the store was the weird one. You'd be like, why is that guy got a mask on? Well, I was the one without the mask, okay? And I'm not knocking masks if you need one, wear one. But I'm like one of the ones without a mask, and I'm just saying hi to people. Hey, how's it going? They're looking at me like, oh, hi, hi. And I'm like, yeah, we can still talk. It's cool, right? We can still talk. And, um, but I felt weird without one because so many people did. Again, if you wear one, I'm not knocking. I'm just saying it's so sure, it sure shifted because three months ago, if you had a mask on in the store, people would be like, what's up with you? What do they got? Tuberculosis? What, what is it? And a total, total shift, okay? But I'm just, man, I'm mean people. I'm saying hi to everybody because, you know, like probably because I'm leaving town. And, and you know, I see this, this people come and I'm saying, hey, good to see you again. I saw you on the last dial, you know, and I'm, I'm still smiling. So I hope that I made a little bit of somebody's day in, in the midst of a bunch of garbage going on in our world that we can be a bright spot. That's right. Okay, that we can be a bright spot. It might have had something to do with all the cookies I was eating um, as I was shopping, but... No, I did. I'm not one of those that opens up stuff. Um, I'll do some people to do that, but it's and that's okay as long as you pay for it. All right. So life is great in heaven. It's great. Whatever eternity in heaven looks like, it's more amazing than we can even fathom. And it appears from this story here that we will recognize and know people there. And I want you to think about that. That when you, the moment you get to heaven, I think it's like a family reunion. I mean, you will know your ancestors and ancestors. Again, I have to believe that because this guy looks and goes, Father Abraham. He knew who Father Abraham was somehow, not having met him before. Hundreds of years had gone by, but somehow he knew who, and he knew who Lazarus. So I think we're going to know people. This is going to be like a big family reunion, and I think that's pretty cool. Heaven's going to be, I think, a lot more personal than we think. We've been taught this thing where you just float around on clouds, but it, there's interaction with people that you knew on this earth. And that's pretty cool. I think there's going to be stories. I think you're going to be like, hey, remember the time when we, when, remember the time you took dad's Corvette? Okay. Remember that time that I got stopped by that car? Remember, remember the time we did this? You know, and, and I really believe that that's how heaven's going to be, is we're going to have memory. And I get that solely from that story. Where there's, he said, remember on earth? Remember, remember all the things that you had? So I think it's going to be a lot different than we think. And it's going to be a lot better than we think. We don't know who family is. I think it's going to be kind of cool. Now, hell, on the flip side, is worse than we can imagine. And that's why I'm here to say, be right with God. Don't mess around with your faith. Don't mess around with your faith. 
Do the best you can each day to live for Jesus and to be a blessing to others. Choose to live in faith and not in fear. Amen. I'm going to have Pastor John come back up here. Is it okay if I close short today? Because I can keep going. You know me. I can talk, right? There's something to think about. We're closer to the rapture than any other generation in history. That's just our reality in the world. We live, we're closer to the rapture, okay? I don't know when it's going to come, but I do know that I'm looking at all the craziness in our world. I don't like the craziness because I want peace and I want everybody just to love each other and, you know, we can have differences and still get along. Okay? That's like a marriage. Like it, just, it, takes, it takes work. But there's a lot of things playing out in this world the way God says it would. And I got reminded yesterday, I think it was Second Timothy, don't quote me on that, where it says godlessness in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, haters of their parents, hate, hating what is good, loving what, I mean, it lists all these things. I'm like, that's America right now. Okay? Just godlessness, living completely for yourself. Um, in the last days, it goes nuts. So there's a choice today. There's, there's two destinations that you can choose, smoking or non-smoking, okay? Hell or heaven. That's the only two choices we get. There is no in-between. So there was three crosses. Jesus chose to die for us. That's the middle cross. The Bible says he was in between two thieves. And, and that's why it's so important to me to leave the three crosses up here because it always reminds me there's three crosses and three choices. The one choice was made for us, and that is I'm dying for your sins. Whether you accept it or not is up to you. But the two crosses on the side mean something because one thief decided after living a complete life of sin, getting killed for it, and he, he even said, I deserve this. That's one thing about that thief is he was honest. He was a thief, but he was honest. He was like, you know what? What I did, is, I, I deserve death because of how I lived. And he's the one that looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, will you remember me in eternity? What a beautiful moment where I think Jesus looked at him, battered face, but I think he probably smiled maybe a tiny bit and said, you believe, you believe that I'm the Messiah. And because of that, you're going to be with me today. You're going to be with me today. What a beautiful picture. And then you have the other thief who lived the same way and knew that he deserved death probably, but he continued to rebel against God. He didn't accept it. At least that's how the story is, that he died not accepting who Christ was. Which one are you today? Now, many of you have already accepted Jesus, but I'm not going to pretend that everybody in here is right with God. I always, every Sunday, have to, have to tell myself there's going to be one person that doesn't know Jesus. There's got to be one. And if not, wonderful, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fish in the pond, man. I'm not going to say, well, there ain't no fish in this pond. I'm going to throw it out there. Because my heart is that we are all right with the Lord. So where are you at today? I'm going to have you bow your heads with me. And this is kind of a private moment. I'm not the type that calls you out, makes you come forward, because I don't know that that is really the right thing to do. But what I do want to tell you is there's a God that loves you very much. And if you're away from God right now, if you don't know where you're going to go, if you've never made the decision to accept Christ, or maybe you accepted him years ago, but you just haven't been living for him, and you want to rededicate your life, today's the day to do it. And if that's you, if you've never given your life to Christ, or you're so far from God, you don't know if you ever come back. He's, he's a father that welcomes you with open arms, but you have to come to him. You have to repent. And if you need to do that today, I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out, but I'm, do, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up so that I can pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision today? Okay, all right, lots of hands. And here's how we do it at our church, guys. We just, we pray together as a family, okay? Because I believe that's how we should do it. So let's pray after me, please. Dear Jesus, 
I believe you died on the cross for me. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And I believe that you will come back for me because of my decision to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now that you know that you know that you know, church, amen. If we can know that you know, amen, amen. It's important, it's important to remember this date, okay? It would be really important for me to know what the date is because I, what is the date today? I did this last week. Is it 14th? Okay. Thank you. Yeah, 14th of June. All right. I don't look at my calendar before church. I just get up and preach. June 14th, 2019, because 2020, we want to forget. Um, no, 2020. June 14th, 2020 is the day that you solidified your walk with God, that you gave your life to Jesus. Okay. You got to remember that date. Because here's what the devil likes to do. The devil likes to say, oh, you weren't serious. Oh, you didn't. Oh, you sinned again. Uh, you didn't mean. Just, you know, like they said, remind the devil of his future. <laughs> Eternity in Lake of Fire. Whenever the devil starts messing with you, you go, hey, Lake of Fire. Just Lake of Fire. That's where you're going. Okay. I'll wave at you from up on high. Point my finger at you. Yeah, you probably won't. All right. God loves you, church. God loves this nation. Pray for our nation. We're in a weird place. Here's what I want to leave us with. Jesus gave us a command. He said, the last command I give you is to do what? Love one another. Love each other. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. Again, love doesn't mean you tolerate bad behavior. Okay? But we are supposed to love people. That's what God wants us to do. Amen? Well, we have time for a song. So if you would just stand up, let's close.